0: Hi everyone, I'm Tony Lontis and this is the Everyday Business Show.
1: I'm going to do it to the best of my ability because if I fail, that means I fail for
0: my entire female nation, I call it. <laughs> is that possible? That was the question for myself. It yeah. is absolutely possible. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Everyday Business Show. I'm your host, Tony Lontis, and we have the second in an amazing series talking about light and how it impacts our environment our humanity and the animals in and around us but before i introduce you to dr james fisher here's what you need to be reminded of if you're listening on facebook linkedin youtube twitch or twitter please don't forget to like subscribe and comment if you want to reach out to james don't forget that his contact details will appear In all the notes that go with this show. And don't forget, if you've missed a show previous to this one, you can jump on to YouTube, Binge Networks USA, Hero Go TV, Zondra TV Networks, and watch the previous show. Now, each and every week, In Australia and as an Australian, I want to contribute to the ongoing development of our country's culture and an important part of that is an acknowledgement to country. So today I want to acknowledge the special and important role our Indigenous communities play in our Australian culture. And I want to acknowledge the people of the Yugamba language region on the Gold Coast, Queensland, Australia, the traditional owners of the land on which we meet and broadcast. And I want to pay my respects to the elders past and present and all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islanders here today. Now, this is the second in a series of three shows talking with Dr. James about um, light and the public good, and it's an insight into the impact of light on our world. And in particular, we're going to be talking about animals in this show. Now, Dr. James Fisher is the executive director of Zoology Lighting Institute, and the Zoology Lighting Institute is a not prof- not for profit, dedicated to supporting the sciences of light. And life through the arts for animal welfare and wildlife conservation. Natural light is a crucial foundation for all of life on this earth, and only scientific investigation can make evident the necessary relationships for ecology and well being of all. Dr. James, thank you for coming on the show. Welcome. How are you?
1: I'm doing well. Thank you very much, Tony. It's just such a pleasure to be here.
0: We talked, James, extensively last week about the amazing Zoology Institute and all the programs that they run. And this program today is specifically uh, focused on alerting the audience and the listeners and watchers to the interaction between architecture, light and the animal kingdom so James um, I want to know it's a big conversation and I want to start with the interaction between the animal kingdom and light which is a fascinating one and I want to know where that fascination started for you
1: yeah it's been a gradual process uh, to come into this and you know for me it it's hard to say this sometimes, but it's very much an obligation for me rather than the fascination coming in. And I developed the fascination. Yeah. But um, over the years, you know, I realized that there was a, a major issue between the way that lighting like as an architect, the way we talk about light and lighting uh, and you know, the way that uh, biological systems function, the way that the physical world functions they're completely different and so for me it was always this obligation to say well if you recognize something and you think that it's important you have to work on it uh-huh. uh so from the time i was a kid my, my parents drilled empathy into me um not 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 by saying anything but just by example you know the fact that you 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 take care of people you take care of you know, animals, you take care of your place, your house, your home, if you have one and, you know, but you, you, you have to take care. And with lighting, when the metrics aren't right, it means that you can't make good decisions about animal care. If you're in a zoo or an aquarium Ah. or a pet, or if you have a pet, Yes, because you're not really looking at the biology in front of you at the physical world. They're yeah, fantasies,
0: mm-hmm. you,
1: you know. I, um, I, 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 I love dogs. I love cats. Well, well not yeah. so much cats, but I love dogs. <laughs> I'm more of a dog person. That's a,
0: but, yeah, dog uh, person too, so it. Yeah, I'm a dog person. Today on my
1: morning stroll, yeah, yeah, it's yeah, it's uh, people tend to drift one way or the other. But but today though, I mean, like you know, a dog came right up to me. I'm going to pet the dog. I want the dog. You know, I give the dog a name. You know, I look in the dog's eyes. I tell it it's a good dog, a good boy, right? I scratch mm-hmm. its ears, all that kind of thing. But it's a dog, mm-hmm. right? And that's very different from saying it's a little person, Mm
0: -hmm.
1: only because the biology is very different, right? Now, a dog is closer to me than, say, a fish or a bug. Um, But in all of these cases, what the biology is doing is specific to that animal. And if I want to care for that animal, right, then I want to think of what that animal needs. You know, what what does it need? How does it function? Uh, You know, how do I reduce suffering? In that mm. animal, right? And so it's a very empathetic uh, response, but it's one that it's not natural necessarily. It's one that I have to think and I have to work on. So that, that's where this relationship
0: comes Point, from. James, the purpose of hmm. these shows is to actually just get people thinking about the interaction between light and the animal kingdom, because we don't necessarily think in that way. And it's good to be. Um, for people to think in a different way
1: no it's 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 so important um like personally uh I like when I don't like something first and I force myself to learn how right Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know it's it's one of those things that you know, so if, uh, uh, I'll go back to when I was a kid, you know, if I mentioned yes. my mom and dad, I get nostalgic, right? Yes. But like, so when I was a kid, we'd go out to a restaurant and I'd look at the menu and if there's escargot on the menu or there's something like that,
0: mm-hmm. I
1: would say, okay, I probably if- won't like this, but let me try it. Yeah. And I, I may not like it, but I'm going to try it. Right. Uh-huh, uh-huh. And, and I, you know, so you get sort of like a reputation as a kid of like, you know, wanting like the odd thing, the weird thing, <laughs> but, but, but the benefit of that, is that you get into a situation and say, well, how am I supposed to learn to like this? How am I supposed mm. to like it? So like Clement Greenberg, this famous art critic, right? He used to say that, you know, one of the purposes of a critic, one of the benefits of a critic, the goal, the, the responsibilities of a critic is, is to bring someone to a piece of art and say, look, you can enjoy this this way.
0: Mm. It's
1: never to say don't enjoy it, never. It's always, well, how do you enjoy it? How do you get into this work? So like Clement Greenberg, that's another one of these authors, you know, yes. you know behind behind me yes. all the time. And, and it's not a question of arrogance. It's a question of how do you expand uh, your sensitivities to it? Um, if, if, if if there's a moment, I mean, the other really influential purpose in the conversations to come, uh, it's Tanzaki, you know, the famous mm. Japanese uh, writer. Mm. There's a little book called In Praise of Shadows that I think most architects have it on the shelf. I mean, I, I, I assume, you know, that they do. But the, you know, the book would talk about uh, nostalgia for the pre-lit homes in Japan, right? So, and what Tonizaki would talk about is like, you know, the lacquer on the plates, look yes. better. The makeup, the blackened teeth, they were designed for those low light levels. As soon as the light bulbs go on, all that's destroyed. So there's this whole cultural engagement, which it's not, it's not culture in the sense of sort of like a revival kind of a thing. Mm-hmm. It's culture in the sense of, you know, how families develop, how they grow, the little things you remember, you know, so if uh, you can always remember in uh, this place in, in, in New York, you know, little slate steps, I always remember the, the, the smell and the wetness of that slate, right? Th- th- those are the kind of things that make your life. Right. So with Tanzaki, it, it's, you know, if, uh, I love Fritz Pop because it reminds me to be a physicist and say, okay, yeah, you know, the world is actually physical, you know, and we have to remember that so that we are beings of light. That little quote, it always comes back to that. So just snap out of it and pay attention to the physical world. And, you know, but with somebody like uh, Tanzaki, you know, the idea is to pay attention to those details and let the empathy govern your decisions. Um, and, and by empathy, I mean, there, there is trying to understand someone else, right? Another consciousness that's out there. But there's also that understanding that those nuances, those qualities that maybe you don't like, you know, that aren't you, are still important because they are. Uh, and, you know, and you, know, you have this interbeing, right, is the word the, the Buddhists would use, right? You, you know, that you have this relationship in your makeup. Uh, that really depends on taking care of things. So, sorry, it's a little, little sidetrack, but it's not because I think it governs what CLI no, is about to. as
0: you're talking, James, I'm thinking of the, uh, after I met you, I suddenly became conscious of moths being drawn to the light or um, at our place we have, you know, microbats and being drawn to mm. light. So I'm actually, it's, it, for the, intent of what you and i want to do with these interviews is actually cause people to think about the light interaction for the natural world james can you remember as an architect when it suddenly occurred to you so last week we spoke about the birds and um the, the windows and the ways that you can treat uh window openings with respect to the animal kingdom Was there a point where you remember as an architect thinking, I can do this differently and have a positive impact on the wildlife?
1: Uh, I I think so. Um, It came more in a a planning sense. Um, But like my first foray into say like animals and architecture in this way, right. Back in 1987. I was writing articles on the London Zoo and I was going into zoo conferences for the first time. And I got introduced to to Disney, you know, the Animal Kingdom. Joe Rohde was there and he's a wonderful man. I got to know him over the years and he's a really wonderful guy. And his wife was fantastic. But um, uh, in any event, at the time, the idea of enrichment was really uh, getting popular with the behaviorists in the group, the people who had to care for animals, right? They, they were really focused on enrichment. Now, what enrichment is, for someone coming from the outside in as an architect, enrichment mm. means the architectural space is inadequate. It, it's not appropriate for the life that's inside it. And, and so you have to come up with activities, species-specific uh, goals, that you you know developmental they might be but it's a program, mm-hmm. you have to come up with a program, to make that life better so it can yeah. be more of the animal that it is right that that's enrichment in a nutshell, enriching the life they do it in daycare centers too which which I I, <laughs> I, I worked on some uh, cancer centers and that there was a crossover yeah. to uh, the, the daycare world in it so but anyway but with that idea of enrichment that was the first time I think that I had a very specific goal to say, look, let's incorporate enrichment into the architectural program so that it's not so inadequate when we get to the end of the day, right? Yeah. And, and there were a number of different ways you can do that by, you know, they're like rotating multi-species exhibits, there were, you know, um, you know, different materials, you provide multiple areas for animals to go to, you know, make it a complex space, mm-hmm. but complex according to what the animal needs.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Lots of
1: ways to think about it. Uh, You know, the resourcing and all of that, Mm -hmm. but that was really the first time, but then came that issue of light, Uh, and it was something that I was able to put at arm's length up to that point, because, you know, I would deal with light in a very experiential way, so theatrically, right, you know, in in a project. You think of okay, what is someone seeing, how is it presented, and you can talk about time and those relationships and qualities, and you get all sorts of like a photographer almost like you think about how am I going to put this together, But when you start to think about animal enrichment or what an animal is, you know which is the enrichment is geared towards, all of a sudden, lighting metrics are inadequate, mm-hmm. and there was no way to determine what an adequate lighting would be given the metrics that lighting companies were using to sell their, their wares or even the professional lighting groups, what they would, how they would advocate talking about light. There wasn't any, and there still really isn't, to be honest, uh, other than us. Yes. Um, You know, they're, they're individual researchers, but that's another issue. Um, But there isn't really a group that says, look, measure light physically, measure the light, and then and and in relation to what it would naturally be right which mm-hmm. really complicated question but definitely um, it's right. there's but, a and, but difference
0: doable. between sunlight, dusk, yeah. dawn and artificial right. light
1: and Absolutely. that then mm-hmm.
0: impacts the environments of the animals, particularly if you're talking about zoos yeah
1: yeah, you know, well, we take, yeah, oh, go ahead, please. I'm sorry. No, no, no. <laughs> I roll right through.
0: <laughs> um, it, 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 and, and that's sort of the importance of this whole discussion is that um, mm. loo- zoos, rather, are places where lots of people go to visit the animals. There's light mm. so that the people can see. But is that the best thing for the that's animals? Is it the best thing to have the lights on all night in a zoo for security purposes? purposes is it the best thing and that's where your genius zone is James where as an architect you look at those faces and go well perhaps we could do this better by doing this 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 and this James can you tell us about some of those considerations from an architectural um, perspective in a zoo that you can make better for that particular animal in that zoo environment
1: I, I absolutely can. Um, you know, and, and I would say it's a general
0: problem, yes. but
1: there's, yes. there's a good, like highlight place. The first thing I would say is that artificial lighting, it, it really only, it's, it's really like, it's, it's like medicine. You know, if you think with like cancers and radiation therapy, that's the way lighting needs to be considered. Um, it's an addition of radiation into the space. Right. And it's, um now normally you have this all the time right there's there's no environment with no light right there's mm-hmm. always something if you have a living organism it's generating light from the mitochondria on up so there's always something yes. right? but in a zoo aquarium when light is added it's really therapeutic right therapeutic in terms of how someone would see right if you want to see it's an exhibition right so the purpose is to exhibit if the decision is there that people can't see the therapy is to apply light you know artificial lighting so they can see and you know with theatrical lighting you may light in such a way that you create shadows Mm -hmm. that creates time a sense of time so, like, if you want sunset, you put the light low and you make a little red, reddish in quality, right? Or, yeah, yeah, yeah. Or you yeah. can even have it dynamic. Mm. If you want opera and you want no time, you, you do full flush. Mm. So, the so I say the animals. Yes, I, <laughs> so, like, the, the actors, right, you know, they're out of time because there are no shadows, uh-huh. Uh-huh. right? So, you're in this otherworldly realm. And you can do all sorts of games and there's all sorts of things you can do. In a zoo, right, the problem is you have these living animals right?
0: Mm, they if gotta they're live lit,
1: there. they got to live there. And if you light them in a static condition, like an opera, right? Mm. You're combating their biology because they are in time. And their rhythms yeah. of life. The rhythms are destroyed.
0: Mm. The uh,
1: optical viability. So how, how an animal sees, right? Rarely comes into, into consideration. How an animal sees, it changes how it eats, how it reproduces, how it behaves, right? Yes. How it thinks, even how it thinks, right? So immediately there's an issue with lighting in a zoo, right? It's always a compromise to welfare, always, right? Unless there's some very specific biological process that requires the application of light to see it through, right? So for example, uh, you'll have um, uh, in a reptile, you'll have, you know, uh, hormone D3, right? You know, they produce their vitamin, they need to produce vitamin D3, vitamin D3, right? It's a process that requires the breakdown of chemicals by a very short exposure to ultraviolet light, then by a longer exposure to, say, infrared, you know, light and heat, right? So uh, there's a process if you if they don't have that because they're indoors and their lighting conditions are restricted, you'll get weak bones, uh, and and you'll have breakages if they you know jump say like from a branch in a way that the species would normally do in the wild. But if you know they can't hear because the bones are fragile because they don't have the D three you know fueling it. Yeah, that's a therapeutic use of light, right? Where you go in and you and you apply it that way. Um, very valid, right? Def- However. What, what what can happen, though, is that uh, that gets forgotten, that mm. it's a therapeutic special use. Um, and, and there's a time to it and a timing. So instead, what you have is sort of the, like the general application of ultraviolet light. It's a horrible idea. It's a horrible idea. I, I yeah. just go right to it. Yes. And be, because it creates burns, it introduces you know, skin cancers over time uh lesions C. right it's high it's it, the, the expression is it's high octane light right it's high frequency mm, light
0: mm. you
1: know using uv in that way is not a great idea mm. but uva is a little less intense and so you could get away with some of that but uvb uvc you would never expose that out there right yeah but you would still need some uvb in a very concentrated way for a short period of time, mm-hmm. so that the, the chemicals can be broken down in the skin, mm-hmm. right, mm-hmm. and then mm-hmm. recombined into you know, the D three eventually. So, in any event, um, James,
0: DeSue's, sorry, I'm
1: going off. Uh, no, no,
0: no, no. I'm I, curious to do, do you know: Does Zoo's consider that in terms of the animals? It, there are there are only, fanta- no, there are some emerging? fantastic researchers. Okay, it's excellent.
1: emerging. No, okay. it, there it's emerging. Hmm. There are wonderful researchers and keepers. Keepers are the best yeah. because they really do care about their individual animals, right? Yeah. They really do. The the challenge comes in when light isn't really understood. So you will have, you know, it happens, you know, generally, you'll have, you know, people with the understanding, oh, my my bird needs UV, needs ultraviolet, mm-hmm. right? You know, they, they've read a good study and it comes mm-hmm. through. So they'll pop a UV lamp in the problem without is the it,
0: considerations without the, the holistic approach the, ah, right okay, okay. so like
1: one of the things okay. that our charity does yes the first very first thing that we did actually was to create that uh, zli framework right yes and what that says okay if you're going to think about light in life you can think in terms of the photophysiology you know how does light affect the body right mm. you can think of the senses so sensory ecology you know how does an animal map space and, and how does it process that that spatial information, right, mentally? Yes. Um, and then finally, the integrative biology. So, how does light impact things like food uh, chains, community resourcing, mm. d- distances, mm. disease, mm. or even timing? So, I was just going to say
0: whether they're, right? they're nocturnal animals or whether they're mm. uh, daytime animals is an important yeah. consideration because. If you've got a nocturnal animal, then they are reliant on a lack of light as their normal way of living. Uh,
1: you know, it's the low light levels, right? Yeah. What I would always say, and what I try to get folks in Zedalite to say, you know, it, every animal is nocturnal. It's just yeah. a question of are they awake at that time or not, right? <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. For, for example, like insects will lay. Yeah, everything, everyone's like, now, no, granted, I, it, it just, it, I, I like it because it points out that idea that
0: mm. there are
1: these ranges of natural light that mm. every living organism has to go through.
0: Yeah.
1: Now, now, some will have a much more delicate range. So, if uh, 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 an animal in the depths of the ocean, right, just mm. very little photon emission coming from the sun down That's at that right. depth. However, there is emission coming from other organic life. But it's a very different True. environment. And it's and still it's a different light. It's the different qualities. Yeah, different yeah, frequencies. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah.
1: Um, you know, but, uh, Or insects in the soil. The, uh, Mark Branham is one of our really great board members uh, down mm. in Florida. And mm. you know, it, he would look at um, uh, juvenile insects in the soil. Mm.
0: And we don't, normally don't
1: think of light in the soil.
0: No. But it has a, it
1: has a light gradient. You know, there's a light gradient. Um, and, and yeah, yeah. It's just very delicate.
0: Okay. Okay. You know,
1: that, that's the thing I know we, we mentioned last week, you know, 11 orders of magnitude of light, right? If we look in terms of wattage wattage, Mm. right. Um, and, but eight of those happen at night, which means that those are orders of magnitude of light. If you think of each one of those as a habitat, right. Those delicate habitats matter just as much as the intense ones. It's just that how life has come to occupy it um, uh, is different. And, and, and so it had there are different mechanisms and different uh properties. So, like for example, like in our eyes, we have cones and rods, right? We every do. every kid, every kid knows, right? Cones and rods. The the rods shut down at twilight. And so and the cones do too in the opposite direction, right? Yeah. The, the, there's <laughs> yeah, there's yeah. this there's this moment where elements of the visual system just aren't functioning. Because they're not appropriate at those levels, right? Mm-hmm. There are benefits to not for for humans to really pick up motion at night because of the rods, yeah. Right? There there, there are benefits to that um, that that work in this system, right? If they didn't work, they wouldn't be there, right? Um, and it, it's the same with other animals. You now, uh, many animals will just simply shut down during the day. Like if I try to go. Even bird watching, you know, in the middle of the day, I'm not going to be that lucky. If I go in at, at dawn and dusk, I have a much better chance. Now, those animals are actually adapted to functioning at that time. Mm. Right. So th- there's a very specific condition to its well being. And when you come back, so if we get back into that issue the of well-being the well
0: being of, yes, yes.
1: If you're thinking of the well being of the animal, mm. when it does what it does and how it does it mm. is really important.
0: To get the you light. Know, light.
1: To to right. Yeah. You know, to put light <laughs> into that context. So like with main and with light, um, the, the other way we have our framework, right? So the physiology, sensory ecology, and activity yes. partitioning, uh, integrative biology. Yes. So, but we have another way to look at it too. The other way comes through in that Zala animal welfare monitoring program that we have. Mm. Basically, we take the five domains model of animal welfare, which the original model looks at things like behavior and health, environment and nutrition. It adds criteria in those categories up. Uh, Well, I should say behavior comes last in that uh, as an external interaction category. But you, you add up, different criteria in each of those to get to a positive state of mental welfare, right? That's, that's the idea of that model. It's a wonderful model. Um, Naya Bo uh is uh, someone familiar with who's like instrumental and in all of that. Um, what we did though is invert that a little bit. And we said, no, you know what? Light actually impacts mental functioning directly. Consciousness, yes, mental life yes, is physical. Yes. It's not, how do I say this without getting in trouble? It's not a, it's not a spiritual thing. It's very much a physical property, yes. being conscious, right? Mm. Perception, you know, when you perceive something, mm. right? Gerswich would be kind of like a reference for philosophers that people like. But the idea it's perceptual. I mean, the thing is, perceptual systems have states. So, like, in the daytime, I have my cones are up. I'm looking at yes. images. Yes. You know, I have... I have um, I create these mental pictures from these images and you know uh, there's that nighttime I still do the same process but I'm doing it with rods and I'm not making pictures anymore I'm making images that function as images within my consciousness the awareness is different that's a different state of perception but it's also a different state of consciousness so what we do with CLI and Zala this other way to say how things are relevant Mm -hmm. we start with that and say look Welfare is a capacity for these different states of consciousness. That's mental welfare. How can yes. you engage? It's not about being comfortable. Yes. That, that's another very bourgeois issue. We don't have anything to do with that. It's not about being comfortable. It's really about being able to engage these states of possibility,
0: mm-hmm, you mm-hmm, know, within mm-hmm. within
1: the perception. Then we could turn from that and say, Well, okay. There are other processes at work too. So something like nutrition, we always take that second because Mm -hmm. eyes evolve to predate, right? That's that's why we have eyes, right? That's the Mm -hmm. general understanding for predation and avoiding getting predated. But with nutrition, there are receptors in the eyes that govern hormone cycling. Um, Now, nutrition actually has phases, right? It's not simply resource acquisition. Right, you know, like for an independent organism. It's an open process. Resources are acquired and go through the body and are eliminated and they're transformed into action. So we, we look at organisms as open systems, not closed. Mm. And 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 that's important here because what light does in all of that, yeah, it plays a role in each of the phases. Yes. Yeah. So whether I'm targeting food, you know, from a distance and I get it, right? That's that's yeah, an ocular yeah. problem. Yes. And, and it depends on night or day on how I'm doing that. So at night, if I'm avoiding predation, you know, I want motion. I want to be able to move quickly, right? Like yeah, I, yeah. That's, that's faster than I've ever moved, right? <laughs> um, with uh, processing, it's close. I discriminate. Yeah. I get all the fine detail. That's a close. So it's a different mode of seeing, right? That comes mm-hmm. in there. But then when I start digesting and absorbing the materials, that's hormone dependent. Right? And there's an the interaction hormones,
0: between the hormones The hormones and are light governed well. by light yeah. yes. Yeah. When
1: you hear talk about circadian rhythms, yes really you know light is really the first hormone yeah that, that's the way we look at it. Light is the first hormone, meaning that it creates cascades of reactions in the nervous system but also through uh, light sensitive ganglion cells
0: yeah.
1: into the endocrine system. Yeah. And those govern digestion and assimilation and timing. It's a cycle. So if that's restricted in humans, you introduce things like diabetes. Yes. You know, if you restrict that because the hormones aren't cycling and the sugars aren't processed properly.
0: Mm.
1: So, you know, that cycling, it's a, it's a, that's a photobiological problem. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. That relates to this open system of, yeah. of every, every organism, every living organism. Uh, without exception,
0: right?
1: mm. um, when we talk about then translating that into activities assimilation, mm. Mm. that's a very you know it it could be uh, autonomic, right? So my heart pumps, my, yes. my lungs, yes. you know, um, if I don't think about it, my lungs thought. will go right, Yes, right, without, without thought, thought, right. You know that that's part of the assimilation uh, into activities. So from nutrient to, to to assimilation, this is all nutrition. Mm. Um, but then you know there's, there's also the volitional things. I want to go get that food. I I want to go, you know, hide. I want to go play, right? Those are are things that come out in volition, right? But that's an assimilation. That's part of consciousness and well-being too. Yeah. Then, you know, if I look at the last, we we never talk about excretion in terms of (laughs) animal welfare, right? How do animals poo, right? It's actually incredibly Important. important. It's incredibly important how and when they do it. It that introduces something called disavow and I'll betray my Freudian roots here because there's a moment where th- that allows for the reproduction of conditions mm-hmm, right mm-hmm. when an animal poos it is recreating the conditions of its existence you get soil right mm-hmm. and, and you get nutrients in the water mm-hmm. you get that recreation it's not alone. It's not the sole thing, but it's also the thing that introduces this level of complexity and conscious functioning where I don't want to see that, yeah. right? You know, yeah. I don't want to see that reproduction. Yeah. So anyway, that's nutrition. The, the, the third thing we get into, sorry for going up this long, but I, I no, just no, think this that's,
0: one's important <laughs> because it's not
1: talked about that much.
0: Right? It is. It is. I'm um, just going to turn my camera off for a moment. I'm going to sneeze. Please keep talking. Oh, I want sure. the third one. Okay.
1: The, the third one is health. You know, the third aspect of uh, the five domains is is health. And we put it third here as well. Uh, At least I think it's third in the original version. Um, With health, we're really talking about developmental and reproductive biology. And here the issues are very similar to nutrition, where there are phases of development, there are phases of reproduction, and light plays a role in each of those elements each of those phases, light is vital across each of those. So health becomes, again, I'll betray that, those Freudian roots. It's an ability to work in love, right? Mm-hmm. So we translate that it's developmental biology and reproductive biology. But because light plays this role in hormone cycling, the uh, there are multiple axes, endocrine axes, right? Just yes, in a yes, human, yes, it's right. going to be different for different species. Yes. But it plays a role in that developmental and reproductive biology, right? Mm-hmm. So, uh, for example, uh, it may come where you know. Oh, a very good example is like with streetlights. Geese that will hang out by yeah. streetlights too long, yeah. uh, you know, they'll they'll put on more fat, right? Or Maybe you, you don't have, mm-hmm. or, or you'll have like a, 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 a slow embryonic development, say, like in. In, in in sharks exposed shark eggs exposed to, to uh, you know, too much light, right? Mm-hmm. There are all sorts of adjustments that happen. You know, light is very much a part of development and and reproduction in these processes. Yeah, it happens both at this macro endocrine level, yes. you know, thinking of, again of yes. light as yes. this extended hormone, yes. but also. Uh, uh you know in terms of like the fields within the body mm-hmm. so there's a whole area of within our photophysiology uh segment of the framework you know, we we try to support support uh, uh biophysics biophotophysics mm-hmm. there's a whole history of, of looking at field light the fields of light generated mm-hmm. in the uh-huh. body and their role in wound repair in um uh embryonic development it, there was just some focus on tumor you know tumor growths and cancers yes, and whatnot yes, yes. but but all of that points to the importance of fields, right? Light fields. Mm. Now here, we're not really pushing that so much, but we are looking at the photochemical relationships mm. between light hormones in these two areas. Finally, when we talk, uh, well, second and last, we talk about behavioral it, it, interactions. Yes, yes. Right, the, the fourth one, we would talk about imprinting. So, if you've ever seen like a goose, will imprint on a, a yes. you know, an animal care yes. specialist. Yes.
0: Goats imprint, baby goats imprint on right. you as their mum when you feed them milk. And yes. That's right.
1: That's right. So, like, that, that's an optical mm. uh, issue. You know, what is the animal seeing and how does the seeing influence its the, social yes. development or yes. its individual development, its species relationships? Yeah. So, or, or even the habitat. You know, I, had a, I have a wonderful friend who, we who, who had this, uh, it was at the Bronx Zoo, we had this conversation about Victorian paintings mm. and like, does the animal know? And, and I would say probably not, you know, it probably doesn't like create images in that way. Yeah. But those, that complexity of that space, it probably does matter in many yeah. ways to that animal. What that is, you got to figure out. Mm. Now, something that would matter very much would be what the animal sees and how mm. it sees it. Mm. That's going to depend on action spectra in the eye, the Mm. distribution of, uh, you know, fovea, you know, uh, relative fovea. You know, some animals have multiple foveas. Some animals have strips. Some animals have, you know, multiple. uh, Some animals will have rods, so low sensitivity receptors, Mm -hmm. low intensity, uh, uh, high sensitivity. Sorry, high sensitivity, low low light intensity receptors. Um They have multiple, so they effectively see what we would call color by putting together those information that information at night, whereas we can 't mm-hmm. so a- anyway, but the point is what they see in those environments it depends on their individual makeup, species makeup, and also their experience you know, of what had come before. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot to think of. And when we talk about environments at the end, that's our last category. We, we yeah. put that last because it's yes. usually where people throw light. Okay. Just, oh, okay. we, we won't deal with lights at the end, we, okay. it, but we, 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 we rearranged it. So, but at the end, light, uh, the environment, yes. it's really environments. So every, every space really depends on the organisms that are processing it. How do they read and construct that space in their consciousnesses? How does that work? So it's a multiplicity, not a multiple, right? It, mm-hmm. So, and we, we when we come to architecture, see, I'm bringing this full circle. When we come to architecture, um, we would think of an animal welfare architecture as taking into account these very species specific readings of the space for the keystone species uh, in an area that may migrate through. They may, you know, the animals that are present are the ones we would take into account, try to, you know, as much as possible because lots of animals. Right. But the idea, though, is to think of that animal welfare architecture as an empathetic practice that looks at the needs of the individual species. So then you can make better decisions about what to do as a designer. Uh, it's it's like, you know, if for a fashion company, uh, wanting to pursue cruelty-free fashion, you can't always do it. Uh, you know, cruelty is not something you can always avoid. Um, but thinking about it allows you to, to, to do your best and, and to accept when it doesn't happen, be grateful for what you're doing and you improve the situation that way, you know, that there is that recognition and understanding that, yeah, there's some suffering coming. So but we would we would involve ourselves in, in cruelty free fashion as much as we would all these others. But we have this focus, of course, on, on light. So yeah.
0: Wonderful, James. I've got a whole other concept of that. Um, I'm conscious that. we. <laughs> <laughs>
1: I know the time always goes. Yeah.
0: So quickly, when we're chatting, um, before we we round out the um interview, I actually want to remind people how they can work with Zula, the Zoo Lighting Institute. Um, as our um, if they're interested in these subjects, they want to connect with you, or they want to know more about the programs mm-hmm. you run. How's the best way to interact, James?
1: I think, you know, probably the best is, you know, the, the email, you know, to reach out and we'll set up conversations. I'm, I'm, I've always been very, very accommodating, you know, to people who want to talk about all of this or to, to work on projects, Um, you know, in terms of uh, that's always a good place, you know, open the conversations,
0: have a conversation and then work out where you can help.
1: Uh, that that That's right. I mean, there's some very immediate things that we, we do need. We're yeah. trying to register ourselves in Japan uh, and we need sponsors in Japan. We need we need funding, you know, yes. to, to be very clear, just to be very direct about that. Absolutely. J- J- Japan is really important. Uh, you know, I mentioned Tanazaki when we started. Um, Japan is really important because of its role, mm. um, because of its history, mm. uh, I think. But also because of its role in being a, uh, an industrial leader and a mm. technological leader mm. and a thought. Mm. Mm. So we're really keen to set up a, a ZLI office in either Sapporo or Osaka or Tokyo. We, we really need to do that. But to do that, we need fiscal sponsors. Oh,
0: yes. 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 Uh, and
1: so that, that's, that's the number one. So thing. people, people are happy about that.
0: James, they Please, can yes. definitely connect with you about that. that,
1: that yes. That's That would be great. And we're looking to do the same in the UK. Yeah. And there we have Jack Merrifield, who's a wonderful new addition to our board. Mm-hmm. Uh, he, he's at the Bokkshire College of uh, yeah. Agriculture. <gasps> um, but we're, we're really looking to set up a UK society as well as a Japan society of ZLI. And, you know, again... We need sponsors, we need participants, and we need advocates too. Yes, you know, advocates people to as well really are
0: really important. Promote so. the
1: awareness. Yep. Absolutely.
0: Yeah, absolutely. James, Um, thank you so much for yeah. being patient with me and my questions in today's conversation. No, it's good. Next week, we're actually going to talk about um, some of the projects that ZLI is um, working with, some of the campaigns in particular, Mm. which are around um, some anime films and some anime film series. And we're going to talk a fair bit about um, the afterlife of Wales, the green year, um, uh, some of the programs called Saving a Billion Birds um, and Biking for Birds. So we're going to talk about all of that next week, James. But in the meantime, I want to encourage the audience to reach out to James, to the Zoological um, Lighting Foundation and talk to James about this work, how you can be involved, what they need, and if you're listening from Japan or UK, please reach out to James to have a chat. He is an amazing human to talk to with a wealth of experience around not just architecture but this whole realm of lighting for humanity and wildlife dr james thank you so much for joining the show today i can't wait for next week um it will be another fascinating conversation and that my friends is your lot for this week we will be back next week with dr james fisher back everyone i'm tony Lontis, and this is the everyday business show Is that possible? That was the question for myself. And it is absolutely possible.